The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And he swings! Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. In today's episode, we have an interview with one of the Tigers' top prospects, Justin Henry Malloy, who joins the show to talk about his awesome journey through baseball, starting all the way from his freshman year at Vanderbilt, transferring to Georgia Tech, eventually getting drafted in the sixth round, and then flying through the minor leagues the way that he has, with a trade in between from the Braves organization to the Tigers organization, but despite the trade, has put up numbers at every single stop that he has had along the way since being drafted in the sixth round of the 2021 draft by the Braves. Malloy immediately looked like a steal of a draft pick when he broke in with the Braves in 2021 in low A, putting up a 126 WRC plus in 37 games, slashing 270, 388, 434 on the heels of a really strong season at Georgia Tech. He followed that up in 2022 with a comfortable transition to high A, where again, he just looked more advanced than his competition, largely because of his ability to walk and his ability to tap into game power, hitting the ball in the air really consistently. And in 71 games in high A in 2022 before getting bumped up to double A. He slashed 304, 409, 479. That's a 144 WRC plus, 15% walk rate, 23% K rate. At this point, Justin Henry Malloy is becoming a very real prospect for the Braves. I know Braves fans at this point were getting really buzzed up and excited about him. And then he handles an assignment to double A or a promotion, I should say, to double A during that season in 2022. And this is where he really solidifies himself as a force to be reckoned with and a bat to be taken really seriously because once you start putting up numbers like he does in the subsequent 54 games in double a as a 22 year old you start to think okay he could get to the big leagues relatively soon so in those 54 games walked even more 18 percent walk rate strikeout rate does jump to 25 percent but again hedges that with one of the highest walk rates you're going to see it at any level of professional baseball, slashing 268, 403, 421, good for a 125 WRC+. By the end of the season, he even got a cameo in AAA where it was more of the same. He walked more than he struck out in eight games, and he put up a 136 WRC+, in that small, small sample size. So at that point, the Braves felt like they had a really 
solid piece there and a guy that could start the year in AAA for his age 23 season, but they had an opportunity to go upgrade the bullpen. They make a trade. They go get Joe Jimenez, who's a guy they end up liking so much they retained him and extended him. But, of course, you got to give to get in this league, and uh, Justin Henry Malloy was one of the few prospects, I think, in the Brave system that was really showing out at that time, and the Tigers said, we're going to need Justin Henry Malloy back, and that's exactly who they get in the deal for Joe Jimenez, and they assign him straight to AAA in 2023. And what he does is, I think you could guess by this point, he plays a full season in AAA, Toledo for the Tigers, 135 games at that level, and just puts up great numbers once again, 277, 417, 474 slash line, it's a 130 WRC plus, also a career high in homers, which is really impressive because this is a guy that walks a ton, is able to hit a lot of doubles, does hit the ball in the air, and, and, and does have some power, but 23 homers was a new mark for him at the highest level that he has played in his career. So impressive to see him tap into more power. Uh, He's drove in 83 runs, mostly hitting in the one and two spot, occasionally hitting in the three spot. But again, an 18% walk rate. He walked more than anybody in the minor leagues, as Jackal alluded to in the podcast. Walks pretty much more than anybody in professional baseball, uh, especially if you look at it at a per game basis. He talks about that as something that he never really sought out to do, which is even more amazing. You'd think that somebody that walks this much dating all the way back to college would have some sort of a concerted effort to draw those walks, to really shrink the zone. And as he mentions on the show, yes, every hitter wants to swing at strikes and and not swing at balls. And that's pretty much what he always thought he was doing. But there are also are just players who are willing to be borderline passive because they're not afraid of going deep into counts. Uh, they feel like that the deeper that it gets into account, the, the more settled in that they can get. And they also just have a really good eye and feel for what the strike zone looks like. Innately, it seems like Justin Henry Malloy had that unbelievable feel for the strike zone, but he didn't have this feeling of, oh, I want to get deep into counts. I, I'm fine with it. You know, just go into 2-2-3-2. Two, two, two. He is fine with it, but he's not going in there with the approach of, hey, I, I don't need to swing at something early in the count. If it's there, he talks about it. He, he wants to, to let it rip and get it, get a swing off. But for whatever reason, he, he has just naturally been able to have a phenomenal feel for the strike zone and has naturally just been able to lay off of pitches that are more borderline and, and go after pitches that he feels like he can do more damage with. So that side of it was was rather interesting because I, I recalled back to a, a conversation that we had with Nassim Nunez of was the Marlins organization now, of course, selected in the Rule 5 and, and with the big league team in Washington, D.C. Nassim Nunez said, no, man, I, I definitely want to, to get deep into these counts. I'm, I'm fine taking a strike. I want to make him do it again. And that's a, a different side of it. I think it's different when you're Nassim Nunez versus Justin Henry Malloy, who can you know hit 23 home runs and, and has a little bit more uh, ability to, to impact the baseball. But again, it, it's funny how certain players can, can get to the same number in terms of really high walk rates or, or do some of the similar things that the other guy may do. But without sharing this identical mindset. There's a, a lot of different ways to get to the same result and a lot of different players do it a lot of different ways. And it's just another reason why I love talking to different 
players on this show and get a little bit of an idea of of how they think about things, how they approach things, and and what has made them so successful. And and that's the key with Malloy, right? I mean, you look at what he's done at every single stop once he really got things going in his collegiate career and got an opportunity uh, to, to play consistently at Georgia Tech. And it's just been better and better for him each year. And he talks about replication when he does things well, not trying to always take that next leap and, and try to find something that you didn't have before. Whereas sometimes if you have a really good year, right, like after what he did in 2022, you always want to get better and naturally you, you get better through reps. But I thought one of the more eye-opening uh, things that he gets into is like, what more do I want to do than what I did in 2022, right? Of course, again, I always want to get better. He made the the example of, of course, I'd love to hit 350 with 50 bombs. But what really resonated with me was like, he climbed three levels in 2022 and put up ridiculous numbers at each stop. The focus should be, how do I replicate that now in AAA? Because if I replicate that in AAA... I'll be either debuting in in 2023 or right on track to debut in 2024. And that's exactly what he did. He not only replicated it, though, he actually did end up naturally tapping into a little bit more power. He ended up naturally walking a little bit more. And sometimes those things just seem to take care of themselves. So the last thing I'll say before we kick it to the interview with Justin Henry Malloy is that this is one of the nicest dudes you are going to ever cross paths with if you go to a ball game or ask for a signature or whatever. Like, I I can almost assure you that he will do it with a smile on his face. He's the kind of dude that is exactly the same when the red light is on and when the red light is off in terms of just being authentic, just being very kind. And uh, he's he's a bubbly dude. Like, he's just a really happy-go-lucky, very genuine person that... I, I understand why Jack is always rooted for him as he's you know been in contact with him a little bit more over the last few months and you know did that that brief interview with him during the season last year in 2023 and you just see how easy he is to root for how genuinely kind he is and how much he likes to root for his teammates and a lot of the people that I've talked to that have played with him against him have nothing but great things to say so if you're a Tigers fan this is a player that I think is going to become one of your favorites just because of the way that he goes about his business and the way that he plays a a kid's game with a smile on his face but but plays it hard and takes it seriously I think there's a combination of this competitiveness that he brings but also this this kindness and fun aspect to his personality that makes him a, a perfect candidate to be a fan favorite and the perfect guy to bring on to a show like this talk to and get to know and I hope you guys enjoy getting to know him here is Justin Henry Malloy right after this quick break Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Special edition of the call up here as we're joined by Justin Henry Malloy of the Detroit Tigers. What a phenomenal year in the upper minors and even more importantly, just got the big league spring training invite. So perfect timing to have you on. Thank you so much for joining Jack and I. Congratulations on an awesome season and congratulations on the big league spring training invite. I know you're already in Lakeland. You got to be fired up and ready to go. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, it's, it's super great talking to you guys again. And, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm pumped. Like the guys are rolling in, they were trickling in, and, and it's that time of the year. So uh, I'm excited about it for sure. Uh, my first thing, I just got to get it out of the way. Has Colt Keith bought you dinner yet, or what? 
Shoot, he better. He better. <laughs> he absolutely better. No, but I mean, in in all seriousness, like congratulations to him. Like that. I mean, that's that's so awesome. Like for him, for his family, for this organization. I mean, I, I think that that's that's so sick to happen. Yeah. So I, honestly, let's start there real quick, just because. I would love to hear it from a player's perspective like you, who's you know, put up great numbers in the upper minors. You know, feel like you're, I'd imagine, ready to go to, to contribute at the big league level. And, you know, I think you're going to prove that in spring training here. But what, what do you think as you see a lot of people you've played against and some of your peers even and, and friends start to get these unique deals? We've seen the pre-arbitration deals, but now these pre-debut deals and uh, the, these guarantees for guys like yourself that have you know, put up great numbers and, and you know, have the opportunity to do that. You know, what, what do you think it does for players in your position and, and kind of what's your take just watching, you know, some of these guys get this you know, 20 million guaranteed before even, you know, having their first big league AB? I think it's awesome for everyone, right? Because, I mean, obviously everyone's goal is to get to the big leagues. And, you know, of course, like with coming with the dream, you know, getting paid a little bit is, is of course, a part of it. And, you know, being able to provide for your family, give back to your parents and all of those things. And I just think it makes – now the importance of playing well in the minor leagues, now you kind of start to see how the front offices are viewing minor leaguers and their production. And they're not just seeing and waiting for production at the big league level and then saying like, okay, this is who this guy is. Now we're really taking a close eye and looking at everyone in the minor leagues and how they're playing and how they're putting up numbers and how the at-bats are going. And, you know, I just think it's great because it just it just adds more value to the at bats, even though you're not in the big leagues. But the value of the at bat is still the same, even though in the minor leagues. So I think that that's great for the game. I I love that point. And, you know, part of my thinking when it comes to that is like, hey, even a half decade ago, like five, six years ago, we did not have the information on a pitch by pitch or a B by a B basis that we do now in minor league baseball. So it's probably easier to assess what's going on at the minor leagues and how that may, you know, forecast in the big leagues than it ever has been before. So in terms of like bells and whistles that you're working with, is there anything that you were kind of doing in Toledo that you were like, man, 10 years ago, nobody's doing this. Honestly, like I'm not like, if you're like, in terms of being like a stat guy, like I'm not your stat guy. Like I'm not like, like, to be completely honest with you, I didn't even know like walking was cool until like I was like a junior in college. Like I just knew that I walked a lot, but I didn't even know like it was like a thing that people would be like, oh, man, like you walk a lot. Like I was just kind of like, oh, I took four balls and I walked. I went to first base. But like I'm really not your stat guy, if anything like that. But uh, I mean, you know, obviously. The more statistics that come into the game it helps out. I mean, it helps out front offices. It helps out players in terms of where they are at the same time. I think there needs to be a balance of like statistics and then like, how well is the game being played and like, you know, just happy balance everywhere. So it's funny to me that you mentioned not really realizing that, you know, you were a guy that walks a lot more than anybody else, because of course, you know, one of the big metrics that we're going to look at and people are going to look at is, is chase rate. And that's one of the areas where you're as low as anybody. I mean, a 15% chase rate this past year, you mentioned kind of realizing it as, as you were in college that you were selected, but what do you think it was about you as a hitter or just maybe as a person that made you so selective, even before you knew the the benefits of, of drawing walks, it's not like you're going up there 
you know, in, intending to walk. But, you know, when did you realize, hey, I just have a better feel for the strike zone? Or was it just uh, an approach that you had kind of baked into you at a young age? Um, I definitely think it was kind of both. Uh, when I was a kid, like, it's funny, like my mom always had this, like this story that like an umpire when I was in little league, like when, during my at bats, he would pretty much just call balls when I didn't swing and call strikes when I did swing. Like, I think, it, I mean, from that age, obviously, like, I think I had a general idea. I didn't really think of it in terms of like in the strike zone or out of the strike zone. I thought of it more of like, can I hit it or not? Um, yeah. And then obviously as that kind of organically grew, um, you know, just kind of being to describe me as like a hitter, like I'm very competitive. I really do like to compete in the box. Like I think, you know, obviously you have your plan, you create that plan on deck, but then like once it's in the box, like it's kind of just a different animal. You just got to go in there and just like do your best and fight. And obviously while also sticking to the plan again, happy balance, but, um, just like being stubborn is like another thing that like, I, I guess is a word that I would like to also say about myself as a hitter. Just like, I know he wants me to chase. I know he doesn't want to throw this ball in the zone, you know, middle, middle. So like he wants me to expand. So like, I don't want to help him out any way possible. So I think being competitive is one. And then two, just being super stubborn to the strike zone to be able to put myself in leverage counts, to be able to do some damage and help us win. When I got to talk to you in Indianapolis, I was so impressed by like just your presence on a day by day basis. We talked about your morning walks and your coffee shop and like you want to almost treat every single day like it's its own separate entity. And that is like a level of comfort that you really don't see from many human beings. So I'm curious, like, are you comfortable getting deep in counts? Is it a thing where like you feel comfortable in a two strike count? Hey, I know who I am. I know what pitches I can get to. I, I can take a strike. I can take strike two and I can still win the AB. Is that does that almost bleed in onto the field? I mean, to a degree, um, you know, I, I obviously in college, I was kind of introduced, you know, by a. Uh, uh, like a mental coach. And it was just kind of like this thing called like two strike anxiety where like when guys did two strikes, they get tense and because they don't want to strike out and they don't want to, you know, mess up and look bad or whatever. Um, you know, and really like it resonated with me, like on the opposite end where I was just like, no, with two strikes, like, I'm like, okay. Like, because at the end of the day, like strikeouts happen. And like, if you're worried about like, I don't want to strike out, odds are you're going to strike out. It's like that old saying of like, oh, if you're going skiing, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, you hit the tree. Right. So like, you know, I know punchies are going to happen. I know me as a player, like if they happen, they happen. Obviously you want to cut down on them. Like every player wants to strike out zero times through 162. Like, of course, but that's never going to happen. So like just being able to like fine tune those small things and, and being able to just compete in the box, like that's all I, I pretty much try to do in there. You talked about like the, the leverage counts and just trying to get yourself in those situations where you can hunt a pitch that you can do damage with. And, and something that you do really well is elevate, right? You hit the ball in the air a ton. And that's why you're able to you know, hit, hit a fair amount of home runs over the last two years. You've hit 40 home runs. But what stands out to me is 
135 games in AAA this past season. You hit 23. That's six more than you did, you know, that you hit across high A, double A, and triple A in basically the same amount of games in 2022. So being able to up that slugging percentage by 20 points, being able to up the, you know, on base percentage by nine points and just do what you did across the board. What really, I wouldn't say clicked because you had a phenomenal year in 22, but how were you able to kind of build on what was already a really good year in 22, going to a new organization and still somehow have a better year at the most challenging level you've played at. What allowed you to do that last year? Uh, I mean, realistically, like I go by the kind of saying, like just same guy. Um, Obviously you want to evolve and you want to get better and you want to work on your small deficiencies and, you know, evolve as a player. But like at the end of the day, like when someone's like, yo, like what are you working on in the off season? Right. I'm just like, if I had a good year, of course, like I just want to be the same guy. Like I just want to be able to replicate good years, year after year after year. And again, still trying to reiterate, like still trying to get better with the small things. If I didn't hit a particular pitch as well, like let's hammer that pitch so we can get better at it. But at the same time, it's not like I'm trying to make these big changes to do big things. Like I'm really a fan of like, if I just stack up small or stack up good days in, I mean, in the long run, it's just going to turn you into a better player. So I really do think about just trying to be the same guy, just evolving and just being the same dude overall. Did you feel like that the tighter zone in AAA and a little bit of the ABS system kind of worked into your favor there? Because it just in general, even without the ABS, you know, I feel like with double to triple, you, you start to see a little bit more of a big league zone. It's not going to be the big league umpires, but it's closer. And for a guy like you, I'm sure you you felt at times in the lower levels, and I'm sure especially in college that you may have known the zone better than the umpire. I know you're not the type of guy that's going to say that, but I'm sure there's a lot of pitches through the years that you spit on that, you know, where balls called strikes and, you know, you were right. I, did you feel like AAA almost was able to kind of help you leverage a, an advantage that you've always had even further? So it's, it's funny, like it's to a degree ish. So like if I was to say like my own personal opinion on ABS, I liked it because it was, or it should have been, I don't know how exactly it was, but it should be the same zone every single day. It's not up to an umpire's discretion on like what he thinks a strike or a ball is. However, I do believe that the strike zone that like we had was a little bit more down than most hitters thought. Um, And the balls that were up, like there were times where I was in the box and I took a fastball up and I'd be like, okay, like I wouldn't be mad if he called it a strike and he called it a ball. Mm-hmm. But then there would be, there'd be tons of times where like I would spit on a ball down. I'd be like, that ball's down and it was a strike. So like, I do think like it was an adjustment period just due to like, okay, what is now a ball and a strike in AAA? And also, again, I think there's also now that adjustment period. Like if you go from AAA to the show, like, again, I've never been, I haven't been to the big leagues yet, but I do think that some of those balls that are at the top of the zone, they're probably strikes in the big leagues that aren't called strikes in AAA. And the same thing with the ball down, like umpire in the big leagues might call it down, but in AAA, it's a strike. So like, it's kind of this like weird, like we're only one step away from the big leagues, but the zone is kind of different. Um, but that was kind of like my take and just being able to see it every day and everyone's at bats. Like 
it was kind of like the same for pretty much, I can't speak on everyone's at bat, but like, it was kind of like the same where it was like, Oh, I thought that ball was down. And then you look on iPad to strike and, you know, and, and so on. So, um, but I do think the consistency of it overall is pretty cool. You figured it out quickly enough. And we were talking before we hit the record button. Last time I talked to you, you were under a hundred walks. You end the year with one ten. So quick trivia. Where'd you finish in minor league baseball and walks? Do you know? Uh, number one in minor league baseball and walks. <laughs> I I went minor league baseball and major league baseball. Soto was one. Kyle Schwarber was two. Justin Henry Malloy was three. And then Matt Olson and Jet Williams were four at 104 walks. So it's uh, it's a unique number, but uh, you are one of the best in baseball, regardless of level at at seeing balls, which is like really cool. It's kind of sick. Oh, wow. That's good right? company. Those other guys had more <laughs> games to work with, too. Right. Shoot. I mean, <laughs> all right. That's, I mean, that's great company. <laughs> I mean, I again, like I, I'm really not trying to like focus on it. And again, like you said, like I don't go into the box trying to walk, but like, I mean, get, I mean, that's 110 times getting on base. So just gives us an opportunity to score a run. That's all I yeah. really want to do, especially with the guys behind us. Like you see the guys in our lineup, like, I mean, we had Parker, we had Colt, we had, I mean, like I'm naming guys. I can just name guys and keep going for nine straight, but like, just give them an opportunity. That was going to be my next thing. You were surrounded by so much talent on that team. And we're seeing that matriculate its way to Detroit. And like, even before you got there, I mean, how you crossed over with Kerry Carpenter for a little bit, right? When he was on rehab. So a Kerry Carpenter, a Torkelson, Riley Green, name whoever else, they're up there, right? You were with Colt. You were with Justice Bigby. I mean, you mentioned Parker Meadows. Like being part of that same, I don't know, age of guy type of guy. How bright is the future of the Detroit Tigers? It's pretty sick. It's pretty sick. I mean, I'm excited. Like, I'm I'm very excited, like, to just see, you know, obviously watching the games or rooting for them on TV. And then, you know, right now we're going to be able to share a locker room and, and try to win some spring training games together. Um, I just think that the the future is very bright. Obviously, I can't see the future. I can't, you know, whatever. But – I do think with the guys that we have and the pieces that we have, I do think we put ourselves in a very good position to win a lot of baseball games. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing um, ever, just winning baseball games. So um, to be able to be surrounded by guys like that, and then, you know, we're around the same age and then it's like you become friends and then it, it just, it just adds up to the fun of winning with your boys on the same team and, you know, going after the same thing. It's, it's pretty cool to see. You talked about just focusing on getting on base for a lineup that was you know, very talented, you know, in, in triple a, but also doing some damage yourself. You hit a lot in the leadoff spot, a lot in the number two spot, a little bit in the number three spot. Uh, obviously when you get to the big leagues, you're just like, I'll, I'll hit wherever I'm in the big leagues. But you know, what did, what did you like the most in terms of those, those different positions in the order, like lead off two or three, obviously three, you get an opportunity to drive in some more runs, but it, just being who you are as a hitter, you know, was there a spot in that top three that you, you felt most comfortable that you felt like you could kind of be who you are at the best way possible? Oh, I mean, there's definitely not like one particular spot, like, I mean, like, I, ju I just want to hit. I just like getting in the box. I really I really don't care. But, I mean, 
you know, being able to, I love watching Parker's at bats. I loved hitting second because usually it went Parker, me, Colt. So like, I loved hitting second because I know Parker's getting on and he need, he better steal me a bag. <laughs> right. Cause he's way too fast to be standing on first. So I, he better steal me a bag. And then he does. And then he's on second base and then he gives me an opportunity to get him in. Right. And then, okay. Runner in scoring position. Maybe the pitcher doesn't want me to give me to have that opportunity. Oh wait, guess what? Now you got to deal with Keith. Okay. Now what are you going to do? You're going to load the bases drunk or you're going to, you know, you're going to face the next guy like, or big B or, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, you know, it, it just turns into a snowball effect, which, you know, as an offense you want for a pitcher where it's like, where do I go? And then like when you add just, you know, a bunch of guys who just want to give it to the next guy, like imagine like a lineup like that, where it's like, no, I don't need to do it. Next guy can do it. Next guy, I don't need to do it. Next guy can do it. That's not being passive, but it's almost like a trust in your, your teammate where it's like, I don't have to put all this pressure on myself like I know I got backup and the guy after him has backup and the guy after him has backup. So like now you're just creating a, a deeper and deeper lineup, which, you know, puts a pitcher in a hole. So, you know, if you're able to do that as an offense, I think that that really puts uh, your team in a good spot to win ball games. I love that answer. That that's a fun answer. And that kind of fired me up because it, it totally makes sense. And that's, what you think about from a leadoff guy, right? See a bunch of pitches, get on base a ton, but you never really think about it from the two spot. I like that from the two spot because you got the leadoff guy on base. All of a sudden, your two guy walks and then it turns into a bad inning. I'm curious, uh, pitcher you had maybe the most trouble with in minor league baseball or the nastiest arm that you saw in minor league baseball this year? Do you have one that comes to mind? Dude, Future's game. It's funny. It wasn't. It wasn't even in. It wasn't even. It was futures game. It was one at bat, and it was my maybe my second or third at bat. I don't even know. How, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I just know if I see him, it's like Jacob Mizrowski. Okay. It's Mizrowski. Yep. There he is. That guy. I remember. I forgot who was hitting. I think it was Soderstrom with the Oakland A's. He's hitting, and I think I'm after him. And I think there might have been like. There might've been two outs. And I remember I was on deck and I like, I'm not, I mean, obviously like, let's get it. Like I'm trying to right. go, but I remember the elements of the inning. Cause there was a shadow, like a very bad shadow. And I'm like, I'm looking at the board. I'm like, this guy's throwing a buck Oh two. He's throwing a 92 mile an hour cutter. And I think he might have a split. Cause I think he threw, I, I probably wouldn't see it cause I'm righty. But I think he threw shoulders from a split. And I was like, okay, bucko two, cutter, split. All right, let's get it. So I get in the box, and I'm pretty sure I fought him pretty decent. I think two, two count, I punched. But I remember I went back into the area and I was like, big leaguer. I was like, I was just like, big leaguer. Like that was, that was an at bat where I was like, okay, like I want him again. Like let's do this again. But more of like in a, in a clean, old fashioned competitive, like yeah. he, he's good. He's very good. So, um, definitely, definitely him. What's his name again? Jacob. Mizorowski. Yeah. 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 So he's also six foot seven. Um, and, and another aspect of it is he only releases the ball from like a five foot release height. So he gets extension as if 
he's six foot seven. So he's releasing it close to home. It's super low. And then, as you mentioned, it's it's 102. I, I think if you created just a, a create a pitcher in a lab, like he's he's just about up there. And I, I was wondering if that was going to be a name. And so every once in a while, too, you'll get a name of like somebody that's obviously they're all great pitchers. They're all really good players, but you'll be surprised. But it's just certain players, certain releases that maybe you don't see as well or that make you uncomfortable or whatever. Something that I noticed when I was compiling at bats for our uh, you know live breakdown of some of your your best ABs of the year is you feasted on rehabbing veterans. I, did, did you pick up on that? Like you had like several home runs and we're going to break into it later, but like you had so I think you hit one off like Hyunjin Ryu. I I, I want to say like Kyle Hendricks or someone adjacent to that, like absolutely Bundy too, right? I, Bundy, Bundy as well. I, like Bundy, you, you, you took a then, bunch uh, of like rehabbing vets deep. I mean, again, I'll start off like all respect to them. Those guys have had careers that I want, you know, I'm just putting it like they've had careers and made a ton of money and are able to provide for their family. So like this is a no disrespect and in all respect to those guys. But I got to say that those were some of my coolest at bats, man. Like those are especially just like going. I remember. So my first time facing a rehab guy, because I actually didn't know. I didn't know anything of Bundy's career. So that was early in the season. Obviously, he's been very successful in the big leagues and stuff like that. But I remember Kyle Hendricks in Iowa. It was my first at-bat against him. I'm pretty sure I might be leading off the game. And not that I was – there was nothing timid in myself, but it was almost like an awe, like, oh, man, this is someone that I've seen on TV have a ton of success. So, like, I was just, like – I was kind of, like, caught. Like, I wasn't, like – doing what I need to do in the at-bat. Like, I was just kind of just, like, standing there watching Kyle Hendricks pitch from the best seat in the box. <laughs> and then I remember I was just like, I, I think I'm out of punch. I don't know. I didn't have success the first game. But then on Mother's Day, because we faced him on Tuesday, I think we faced him on Mother's Day on a Sunday in Iowa. I literally was like, I was leading off that game, and I was like, swing as many times as you can. He's going to live in the zone. Like, get your swing off. And... I remember I pink that pink, you know, pink everything cleats is my mom. Like I know she's tapped into the game and I got to change up up. And I, I, I left us and I remember rounding the bases. I was just thinking about my mom. I was like, she is so pumped right now to see that with a, a pink bat. And, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously that was my one experience or first experience facing a rehab guy, but you know, seeing, you know, facing all those other guys like Ryu and, and uh, I don't know if Dallas Keiko was on rehab at the time. I don't. I don't know. But I obviously, obviously, you know, big league, you know, arm. But um, I mean, he was he was also incredible to just watch and see how he maneuvered. But you know, once it was time to get in the box, like get in there. So um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, definitely uh, seeing how you face off against those guys. I know. First time we talked, you mentioned you talked to your family all the time, like every day you try and get in touch with them. Is that like the one thing that you do every single day during the season? Is there something else that you're like, okay, I need to do this before I show up to the ballpark. You know, I, I try to have, well, not try to have, I have my routine, right. But I also try to not make it like if I don't get it in, I'm shaking all day. Yeah. So like, again, like I try to make it that happy balance of like, what are things that I like to do before I go to work, you know? And like, it could be as something as small as like, 
I like playing video games with my boys. You know what I mean? It could be a Saturday. We have a, a night game, like in the morning, run some Fortnite with my boys. Like I'm, you know, we're all the same. So it's like, like, what are some things that I like to do? You know, I'm not like a, a, a strict, I need to eat two pieces of bacon, three eggs. Like I'm not that guy, but like, I have my routine. Like I want to call my mom. I want to call my dad. I want to check in, see how they're doing. That kind of relaxes me. Okay. They're good. Okay. Boom. We'll text throughout the day, but I call my parents. Now, obviously I live with my girlfriend now and you know, obviously I want to make sure that she's good and she's okay. And you know, we'll check in and we'll talk with each other. And like, that's another thing where it's like, we need to, cause those relationships outside of the field are incredibly important. And then, you know, obviously for me personally, like I like going on a daily walk. It just kind of clears my head. And even on those walks, I'm able to talk to my parents, kind of knock out two birds, one stone. And, uh, you know, and then I, I start to find things that I, I enjoy in the area. So like I'm a coffee guy, but like if I don't have coffee that day, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to feel like my routine is out of whack. So I am going to die if I don't have coffee. That's my thing. <laughs> my mom's the same exact way. She needs her yeah. coffee every morning. So I understand you there, but I'm not that. I, I would love coffee. I like trying, you know, I hear about a coffee spot. Okay. We're on the road or at home. Let's go there. Let's, you know, let's experiment. Let's try it out. But um, definitely having routine, but not allowing for that routine to completely dictate how I feel and, if I can't get something done at the time, like I don't want it to ruin my day, you know? So something that I always like to, to dive into, and it's just always so fascinating to me is, is players like yourself who get better at each stop when it's a more challenging stop each time. And Jack and I have talked about this on the show. Like there's always something just a little extra fun about a player who is even better in AAA than he ever was in college, you know, which, and, and you had a really good final year at college, but I mean, to, to have your best perf- like year of, of baseball, if the baseball reference starts tracking it being in AAA, like I think everybody would sign up for that because th- that arrow is pointing upwards, but you obviously had to learn a lot about yourself along the way. I know you talk about not trying to change anything or not trying to reinvent the wheel after you have a good year, but you had a, situation where you know you're on one of the best college baseball teams of all time you know maybe not playing as as much as you thought go to a new college get the opportunity play really well there get drafted in the sixth round and kind of just get thrusted right into it and then fly up the ranks and then do what you did last year in triple a at what point did you feel like you had that and of course you were an incredible high school prospect as well but where you really had that that switch kind of flip and you really started to enter this mode of, you know, where you're at now. Like, where did you feel like the tides were really turning for you? I'll always start off with this saying that Georgia Tech changed my career. Um, just being able to go out and be free and have the trust of Danny Hall, James Ramsey, and to be able to just go out there and play every day. That kind of gave me my, like, relax. Because I went to Vanderbilt and obviously, again, like, I love Vanderbilt. Corbs and I have a great relationship. He, he'll let me train there whenever, when I go to Nashville, we talk, like everything is great. Just in that environment, it was just like, it was different. It was just different and it works out for some players and then it doesn't work out for other players and that's okay. Um, but being able to just calm down and baseball can't be a sport where you're living and dying with every at bat. You can't, it's impossible to succeed when you think you're going to die. If you get out because you're going to get out too many times. 
So like once I was able to get to Georgia Tech and things start to flourish and it's like, no, you go 0 for 4, you're going to play Saturday. You go 0 for 4, you're going to play Sunday. And guess what? You went 4 for 4 and you cleared a good weekend, right? Yeah. So like that's kind of where my career started to change. And then pro ball is kind of like that same idea where it's like you're going to play and you went 0 for 4, 0 for 5, 5 punchies. You're in the lineup the next day. You went 0 for 4 again. You're in the lineup the next day. You went 0 for 4 again. You're in the lineup the next day. So, like, obviously it's not trying to be, like, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's a snowball effect, but it's more about, like, I have an opportunity tomorrow. And that gave me peace with being able to relax with my at-bats, with the game, with the results of the game, and to be able to always tell myself, I got tomorrow. And I'm one of those guys that like, I genuinely enjoy playing baseball. Like I enjoy getting after my friends. I enjoy hanging out, like chopping it up at the field. Like I enjoy the game and to be able to have that opportunity every single day. It's like, this is sick. And then, you know, playing every day. Like I love playing every day. I mean, I don't know how many games I played with the Braves I mean, I just—I don't know. Maybe a lot. I, I was—I was healthy that year. Last year, I was pretty healthy, and I played a lot of games. But like, I love playing every day. So, I think that that also translates to some success when you're just happy and you enjoy what you do, and you get to do it every single day with your friends. So, um, I guess that that's what translated for me. Yeah, not not many dudes will play 133 their first season of Pro Bowl and then 135 their second season of Pro Bowl. But like you're playing every day. That is awesome. Um, hey, last thing for me, 60 games at third, play with 30 games in the outfield, right? Yeah, I, I'm just curious because obviously like needs will change in Detroit and you're comfortable in multiple spots. Just like your overall comfort level at third base, overall comfort level in the corner outfield spots. I know you played a lot of outfield when you were a brave farmhand in 22. Um, you know, do you feel like you can just kind of go back and forth easy? Is there a mindset switch that you got to make? What, what's up defensively? I mean, realistically, like it's, you know, I, I, I just want to go where I'm able to help the team out and to be able to just help our defense and help our pitchers and to be able to just put our, our team in a position to win. So wherever that, wherever that is, throw me there. I don't care. But as of right now, um, you know, I've been getting my work in and getting my fly balls and, and just being able to get better and just stack them up, stack up good days. Love it. Where do you feel like it comes more natural to you? Probably like just getting more reps in the outfield historically, or, you know, third base is also a spot where, Balls get smashed at you, and it's it's kind of reactionary in some ways. But on the other side of it, like there's a lot of nuance and footwork, especially as you start to get to the higher levels where these guys are getting down the line and four flat, sometimes faster than that. And you know, everything is really about every little half step that that you can optimize there. So you know, most guys are getting those same reps in the same spot every single day. And I always admire people like yourself that one are just trying to make it as easy as possible to get to the big leagues by giving their big league team an opportunity to say, Oh, Hey, we can put him here or there. But at the same time, you also want to provide as much value as possible on the defensive side and you're split in half. So that part of it is, I think really underrated and people don't realize like you're adjusting to upper level pitching, you're adjusting to triple a pitching, and you're also adjusting to playing the outfield against different competition and, you know, different reads and also getting accustomed to playing the infield against different levels of competition. Can you just kind of explain what that whole process was like for you and, and what it's like to kind of take that all on? Um, 
it's a lot, but the game is going to demand a lot from you. And if you want to, if you want to have success and you want things to work out, like just bust your tail and do as best you can. Um, and that's really all that I'm trying to do. I'm really just trying to like work where I need to work and, you know, being down here in Lakeland has been great being around the coaches and picking their brains and getting live reads and stuff like that has, has been great. And, um, you know, realistically, like, I just want to put myself again, like just in that best position to overall put our team in a position to win and to win baseball games. I keep reiterating that. Like, it's really all about that. Like yeah. just win baseball games. Love it. My, Last thing I'll ask you is goals for for this coming season. Obviously, get to the show debut. You're you're with the big league team in spring training right now. I we know it's coming. We'll say it for you. Like I'm looking forward to that day as well. Uh, we were hoping it, it would might even come last year. Uh, so we're excited. We we know it's going to happen this year. But do you have any you know individual goals? I know you've mentioned a theme. I, I think the listener will notice that winning ball games is 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 clearly a priority for you. And when you when you focus on that, the rest kind of takes care of itself. But it, do you have any like barometers, any certain things? It doesn't even have to be a number, just something that you'd like to see from yourself this year, you know, a challenge for yourself uh, as you go into 24. Sorry. I'm, I just want to give you the best answer that I have is the biggest challenge is being able to replicate what you did the year before, if you did good. Yeah. So like, obviously you know, it's great. It, like, obviously you want to get better. Like if I, if I hit 350 this year with 50, like, that's great. Like that's yeah, sick. Be sick. That, be you good. know what I mean? Like that's, that's <laughs> awesome. But like at the end of the day, like I do think that being able to just replicate good season after good season, after good season, obviously there's your ups and downs. Like, like I went through downs last year. I went through ups last year. Like every other minor league or every other ball player that's suited up and just being able to just not have it be so like this and more so kind of have it be like that. And everyone's heard it before, but like being able to replicate a good year, replicate good days and to manage at bats, make winning decisions, win in small margins, and to just do that and stack them up. I always like to like say like, you just got to stack up small things and those small things end up being big things over the course of time. So like for me, I'm, I'm really not trying to like, you know, some, some people might answer, Oh, I want to hit for more homers. I might want to cut the strikeouts or, or whatever. But I do think like for me, like where I'm at right now, like the best thing that I want to do this year is be the same Justin Henry Malloy I was in 2023 and in 2022. And I, if I can keep doing that and I'm the same guy every year and it's just consistent, I think that that gains trust in myself because at the end of the day, like I'm still 23, like I'm always going to keep trying to find myself as a player and like who I am. But if I keep stacking up these good years, it's like, okay, now this is like who I am as a player yeah. And that now gives more trust in a manager, a front office, because you want to be trustworthy. You want to be someone that, you know, someone is like, okay, like this is who so-and-so is, this is who they're going to be. And this is how they're going to play. And like, that's just, you can kind of just throw them out there and like, he's going to be reliable for us. 
that's all I want. That's really all I want. Just be the same guy and replicate good years year after year and just try my best. I was going to say 277, 417, 474 with 23 bombs. Uh, that, that, that'll do pretty well for, for most people. I think that'll be a pretty good goal every single year. So if you replicate that, I think you're, you're in business. Um, also, your buddy Colt Keith had an exact stat line for like what he wanted to, to a T when he talked to Jack, which is funny. Like it just shows the duality of man. He's like, I want 110 RBI. I want this, this, and this. Like, and almost nailed it, which is crazy because he yeah, keeps out. Yeah. He was like, I want to hit 300 and I want 30 homers and 100 ribbies. And he was like 306, 29 homers and like 106 driven in. So I bet yeah, yeah, that he lost a bunch of sleep over that bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just crazy. Just the duality of man there, but just outrageous the year that you guys had and, and outrageous how, how exciting the future is uh, in, in Detroit. And you're a big part of it. So Thank you so much for for talking to us here and, and hopping on the show. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun just to kind of hear more about your journey. And we are really excited to see what you're going to do this coming season. Thank you guys so much for having me again. Uh, this has been awesome. It's always great talking to you guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.